for August 31st, 2009, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 61, Murder Most Foul. Welcome to the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. From my brand new apartment, so new that I have internet service, but not yet a bed, uh, I am your host, Matthew Rather, here with the panel of overthinkers to subject things to scrutiny. Pop culture, deserve not. Uh, Been moving all weekend. Uh, I gotta say, Javier, Jasmine, and... uh, and Nevin, my uh, buddies out here who helped me move in here, are awesome. Uh, but we are crossing the country to the panel to ask them, what did you do to celebrate Michael Jackson's birthday? Peter Fenzel in Lanebridge, hey. Massachusetts. Ooh, that was a serious diss. Burn. Ouch. Sick burn. I yeah, didn't, definitely been burned. Burned horribly burned. <laughs> didn't you write that joke once, Pete? What joke? I actually can't quite hear you that well right now. I'm not sure exactly why. Maybe it's uh, the California things made you so laid back that you're not projecting anymore. Yeah, but, no, uh, I, I don't project anymore. Really? You can't uh, hear me? I'm like, I'm maxing out the bars. I'm like clipping on the audio indicator. I just raised my own volume, so now I can hear you just fine. Well, so, okay. You know what? Like, don't tell me that things are my fault that aren't my fault. Come on. Well, did I you know? say it was your fault? I guess I did. What was your joke <laughs> at the expense of my homeland? Oh, not my homeland, but my current homeland, my my emigre location. So, what was the uh, joke that you told about Massachusetts? Say it again to my face now that I can hear you. Oh yeah, <laughs> here it is. <laughs> Skype it in from Lamebridge, Massachusetts. Oh, <laughs> I did. Ooh. I did write that joke. I remember <laughs> I wrote I wrote that joke, and then I turned to everyone and was like, that joke is much too bad to actually put in a show. And everyone was like, no, it's awesome! <laughs> so we all put it in the show. <laughs> and that actually, in that particular show, that show I think got one of the best responses, that joke got one of the best responses of any of the material in that yes. show. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yes. Oh, so Michael Jack's birthday, was that yesterday or uh, today? Yeah, God, way to return to the, way to return to the topic at hand. Uh, as we recorded, it was yesterday. As we release it, the podcast, it was two days ago. It was Saturday, the 29th. Okay, because I spent Saturday, Saturday the 29th and Saturday the 30th, I did a lot of the same stuff, i.e. I dealt with flooding in my basement. Two <laughs> oh, <no>. different <laughs> floods on two different days caused by the same general hurricane and surplus of water. Um, I mean, granted, it wasn't a horrible disaster or anything like that, but uh, it definitely is something that will take your wind out of your sails. Uh, and I guess the other thing I did is I performed in some improv shows and uh, slept in, uh, had an egg sandwich. Um, so that oh, was fantastic! Really did you have did you have yeah. bacon and cheese on it also? I did, in fact, have bacon and cheese on. I like to treat myself on Saturday mornings. I had a scone as well. Oh wow! Uh, and then I went back and I dealt with water all over my basement floor. Going so, crazy with the carbs there, right? I, oh man! Oh, I was flying. If it if, <laughs> if there hadn't been a, a dank, humid uh, stench in the air, I would have taken wing. Uh, I tell you, <laughs> it was particularly awesome. Yeah, no, everything was fine. You know, I did I did a bunch of stuff. Um, but no, most notably, I dealt with Daryl. Um, right, Daryl, that was his name. That dude, that that bitch ass dude, who came on through and dumped all that water in my basement. Um, or was it Danny? Danny, it I think Danny. Yeah, Danny. Oh, okay, Danny. Never Wait, mind. There was a real Darryl. guy who dumped water in your basement. 
Oh, yeah. He was about 100 miles wide, and he had a big old eye in the middle of his face. Oh, uh, no, got it. It was, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was, it, was a, it was a chick, right? A hurricane, not a himicane. No, no. A tro- <laughs> it was a tropical storm originally, then it got upgraded, so I think it, it carries its name over. Oh, because tropical storms are dudes? You know, I... <laughs> I no, they alternate, they alternate gender. The... Oh, okay. Yeah. This is a dude All year, right. and next year it's a chick year. Oh, so they don't go back and forth. So it's not like Bianca, Danny, Esmeralda, Frank. No, it's like it's like <laughs> Bianca, Candy, Dandy, Fandy, and then Andy or whatever. Gigi. My lack my lack of knowledge of the alphabet has been the main characteristic of this particular. <laughs> uh, that and, you know, lack of knowledge of of hurricane naming conventions. Well, the lack of they, yeah, the lack of reading Rainbow on the air will help you with that because that show doesn't oh, help with the spelling or phonics. Oh, but I'm getting oh. I'm getting ahead of myself. Mark Lee, you you suggested this question, so you probably are the only one with a serious answer. <laughs> <laughs> By doing some of that, no. What I actually did. So, uh, as many podcasters might know, uh, we noted several times that I moved recently to the fair borough of Brooklyn. Oh, and you just want your AM radio sound just improved. So whatever you just did, it just got better. I don't know why. You mean, <laughs> yeah, that must have been it. It knocked the, uh, it knocked <laughs> your, your analog to digital converter. your like firewire <laughs> audio interface, like woke up and was like, Michael Jackson, someone singing the King of pop. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. So anyway, uh, I moved to Brooklyn recently um, the massive Michael Jackson birthday party celebration, which got a fair amount of news coverage, I think, through the, uh, uh, through the English-speaking, uh, Michael Jackson-loving world, happened a mere about 20-minute walk or so from my current place of residence. Uh, did I go check it out? Oh, of course not. What did I do? I went to a museum instead, where I saw a lot of pretentious modern art. So, yeah, that's how I celebrated Michael Jackson's birthday. I passed by a lot of people wearing some incredibly gaudy and tacky Michael Jackson t-shirts. Um... So and I, I definitely heard um, "Beat It" playing on stereo um, on my walk home from the museum. So I was like right, right by the outskirts of that. So that was pretty much it. So long live the King of Pop. Hey, well, right, he he lives on forever in our hearts and uh, in our playlists. I at least, if you have any taste, he does. Um, Mark, what was not to be a dick about this or anything, but what exactly was the modern art you saw pretending? <laughs> Oh, we have to get back to this shit. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm trying to remember what it was that I saw. No, it was. It, I, I think I was just probably just you know being a blowhard there. It wasn't particularly pretentious. The modern art in particular that I saw was um, by an African British artist, and he was making a statement about colonialism, colonialism, Victorianism vis-a-vis uh, Africa, and uh, you know his own personal experience. So it wasn't really so much pretentious as it was just kind of high concept. Was it uh, uh, Chris, Chris O'Philly? Uh, no, I can't remember what the name was, but he was at the Brooklyn Museum. So um, if any overthinking listeners want to check that out and live in the borough of Brooklyn, his stuff is there now. Because that was the it's guy. Not necessarily he was the guy who had the, um, who had the painting that was like a Madonna uh, it was a painting of an African Madonna with that incorporated mixed media, including elephant dung and pornography. Oh, uh, I remember that. That was years ago. And, yeah, and with the, and it was in the same show as the the some of the Damien. What's his name? Damien Hurst. 
Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a who's who of modern art. Uh, are, we, are we thinking of Robert Maplethorpe? No, not Robert Maplethorpe. Uh, this was a particular show uh, after Maplethorpe by 10 or 15 years that, again, riled everybody up, not because it was um, – uh, not because it was publicly supported, but because it was just so outrageous. And uh, there was the Damien Hirst stuff where it's the, the little plastic figurines of children with like genitalia where their noses should be. And um, uh, but no, I guess Mark saw Mark saw a different artist, but it just made yeah. me think of like, you know, uh, controversial African artists. British connection. I don't know. I yeah, forget. This stuff wasn't even that inflammatory. Anyway, the name of the artist is Yinka Shonibari, and I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right or not. But anyway, I was looking at his high concept art that was making a statement about colonialism, um, a mere uh, few, you know, hundred yards or so away from where the Michael Jackson birthday party celebration was happening. So shame on me. Uh, there you go. John Parrish, what did you do to celebrate MJB Day? What up, what up, what up. See, the thing is, when we Wait, first was it MJ BJ? Is that what you said? No, MJ B Day. No, no. Not did, BJ. did you he did you real. did you get an MJ BJ? Wait, did 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 I get did I get oral sex on Mother's Day? Is that what you're saying? No, both of you, both of you, it's both of you again. See ya. Okay. Any All right. All right, so are we? <laughs> yes, John. <laughs> I, can, I, can never, I can never tell whether whether you're, you guys are done screwing with me or not. So I had a joke answer originally regarding uh, drinking Diet Pepsi and setting myself on fire, but then I thought about what I actually. <laughs> but then I thought about what I actually did that's on Saturday. Not, and yeah, because, no, that's not funny. Because I'd had a kind of because I'd had a rather busy uh, Friday and like a rather busy week leading up to it, and I was expecting to help people move. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, go on. Keep keep going, John. Because I was expecting to help people move uh, today, so I kind of took it easy on Saturday, and in fact, I didn't leave my apartment all day. And thinking about that, that kind of you know sort of weird reclusiveness is is also honoring uh, Michael Jackson's legacy. So uh, so yeah, that's that's what I did to celebrate. Uh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, was, I, I, I lived like a recluse in my, my fortress of solitude, surrounded by possessions I'd spent years accumulating, which is really, I think, how Michael Jackson would like us to remember him. And uh, finally, Jordan Stokes, uh, who, uh, who hopped on the call a little late so he didn't hear everyone. Uh, Pete bailed out his basement, which was uh, flooded from the tropical storm. Uh, Mark, instead of going to the block party, went to the museum. And John Parrish, uh, uh, somewhere in there was the answer to what John did. And I missed it. What did you do, Jordan? I got sick. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it, I'm, I'm hoping for drama's sake that it turns out that it's the swine flu that I, so that I can say that's so why I celebrated MJ's birthday. Probably nothing, but uh, you know. Are are you still sick? Yeah. yeah. Well, being in poor health is also you know a very kind of befitting of the king of pop, at least in his last days. And I'm going to try some uh, some prescription strength uh, coma medication. What was it that you <laughs> <laughs> see if that? Yeah, that should only be. I don't think it's coma medication. I don't think I think it's medication that can put you in a coma. I don't think it's like medication that's supposed to stop you from having a coma. <laughs> it doesn't make comas better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't, I don't, that, that, just, that doesn't raise the question of why we name medicines the way we name them by their uh, by the things that they stop rather than the things they make happen. You know, but right, right. Uh, <laughs> like you don't call a guy who hits with a high batting average a strikeout hitter because he he <clears throat> hits the rather than strike out. So perhaps that is a coma medication because <laughs> that's well, what it does. <laughs> Yes. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, moving right along. And me, I celebrated by moving into my fantastic new pad in Los Angeles near uh very hip Culver City where I had internet service before I had a bed. So um yes, I so that I could record the podcast but not necessarily sleep. Because yeah, no, somehow I don't think Michael Jackson would have made that same choice. No sleep till Just podcast. No, he was he was dedicated to his craft. He was an incredible he was an incredible performer, incredible dancer, very good singer. I was thinking more probably not as dedicated to the internet as you are. Yeah, it's true. It's true. He was dedicated to oh no, you can't you can't make jokes about uh, Michael Jackson like- now that he's passed on. Anyway, <laughs> that is the panel for tonight. So uh if you uh, <laughs> want to add your voice to the party, you can email us at podcast at overthinkingit.com. Call us at the voicemail, which is 20 eat log zero one. That's two zero three two eight five six four zero one. Two eight three two eight five six four zero. What else can you do? Leave a comment on the show notes or uh, use the contact form on the site. I'm sorry. There are so many options that even I lose track uh, of them, you have so many ways to contact us. Um, we uh, are doing. We had, now here's what here's what is happening. Now we had said that this would be a listener feedback episode. Uh, this will not be the listener feedback episode. Uh, we will run the listener feedback episode next week. Though we are recording it at the same time as the current episode. Uh, but it will be Labor Day weekend, and it just turned into a logistic impossibility to record the podcast. But we will not miss a week. You will get the podcast uh, that you love every uh, every week. And uh, so we're, we'll do your emails and voicemails, um, and we will put them up. But uh, they'll probably be on the server uh, tonight, if anyone's an elite hacksor, and oh, do, do the kids still say that elite hacksor? I don't do know. Do the kids ever say that? Yeah, they never <laughs> said it so much as typed it, really. I guess so. Hacksor, but they didn't really say it aloud. Yes, if you are an elite hacksor and uh, care to uh, you know use your powers of elite hacksoring to um, uh, you know to find the show online. Uh, yes. All right. Well, speaking of, speaking of Michael Jackson, it was murder. (gasps) Oh, okay. Great. (laughs) Uh, Michael Jackson's death ruled a homicide by the, uh, by the LA County coroner. And, um, yes. Anyone's thoughts on this? Uh, I, I was just kind of surprised how his staying power in the news. It's been quite incredible. When, when, did, when was his passing? Was it May? June. Crap. I have no idea when it was. It, felt, it feels like a long time ago, and that's something that just would have, you know... Yeah, it was, like, it was on the order of two months ago. 
Yeah, but the news just kept coming in a slow, steady pulse. And, you know, the, the homicide rolling thing came in. And then, obviously, this birthday party, you know, really brought him back into the news as well. I'm just so surprised that he's still this much in the news. I'm not a legal expert, so I really don't know. But it, there seems something strange to me about charging the guy with murder when, I mean, no, no one's claiming that he didn't give MJ the drugs that MJ asked for, right? Like, suppose it had been something much worse. Say the guy was a heroin dealer, and MJ was like, I would like some heroin, please, and took it and overdosed and died. Would he then be guilty of murdering him for providing him with the, the heroin and perhaps administering it to him? Hey, can I jump in here for a second? Nah. No, okay, never mind. I'll be over here. I'll be in my corner. <laughs> Suck it on my thumb. Uh, it's really important to note what this means and what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean anybody's being charged with murder. It wasn't a police officer. It wasn't the DA who said that it was a homicide. It was the coroner. Uh, and that could mean any number of things. It could mean that it was negligent manslaughter or whatever. It could be It could be something related to medical malfeasance. Right. All as it far means as, is that as, he died because of something somebody else did. Right. And that's, yeah, and that, I was going to make that point too, that the definition of yeah. homicide is that, that someone else was involved uh, someone else was involved in his death, but I, yeah, I, I'm not clear. I don't think anyone else has anyone has been charged, and I guess they could be charged with, with anything. Well, people yeah, are saying that the physician. Go ahead, Stokes. People are saying that the people are saying that the physician will be charged with manslaughter. Okay. Okay. Well, I won't contradict the people. Yeah. <laughs> but, they're on the internet. I think they know what they're talking about. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Like us. Like yeah. us. We we have equal authority with those people, and I'm here to tell you they are full of shit. Um Yeah, you know, look, here's I mean, here's something. Like, how long has Michael Jackson been on drugs? Since the Pepsi commercial where his hair caught on fire? Was that like when he started with prescription painkillers and then started abusing the prescription painkillers after maybe he was he had healed from that injury, you know? And how long like okay, I I have two things. Like one, I, I, you know, Michael Jackson, oh, he's so eccentric, he's so strange, he has such a weird personality. Well, he's a drug addict. You know, it's right, he's like bound to to have some uh, some effects on his personality because he's he's uh, addicted to drugs, and that, you know that sort of screws up your life pretty pretty methodically. Uh, the drugs do. The other thing is his creative output. If you like graph his the quality of his creative output over time, I think we can all agree that it was not. It never matched those early peaks. As much as I love Heal the World. And, uh, oh, and we all know how much you love Heal the World. Right, right. Uh, and that other one that was like, um, oh, the Free Willy song. What was the Free Willy song called? Yeah, that one. Matt, Matt, can I say something or do I have to go back to my corner for a second? <laughs> <laughs> I think, let, let me just finish my point, which is that I think that he. The, You're taking he, your sweet time. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> what? <laughs> this from never mind. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he never equaled those earlier peaks, and maybe the maybe the like you know the drug abuse was partly responsible for that. It's possible. I, one, my only thing to add, I've I've sort of tuned out the Michael Jackson news and starting from about two weeks following his death, but I think it's. 
I think it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, the the doctor who supplied him with these drugs is going to be charged because really that's almost an inevitable role to fall into. When you have we have a man with as much money and popularity to throw around as Michael Jackson, there will always be someone who will supply him with prescription painkillers. You'll never reach a point where there just won't be a doctor unscrupulous enough to provide him with with, you know, a, a level of prescription painkillers that are probably strong enough to kill him, even if it is medically inadvisable to do so. I mean, if if, he, if this guy wouldn't, then some other doctor would have. And in fact, for all we know, this, you know, Michael Jackson, you know, went through several doctors prior to this guy. You know, people who in a, in a progressive chain said, no, I'm not going to provide you with this. It's going to kill you until MJ settled on this guy who provided it and did which yeah, is if he didn't want to die from coma medicine, he shouldn't have dressed so sexy. That it's really it's his fault <laughs> that, uh, that this doctor killed him. <laughs> uh, the moment has passed, but I did want to say, for the record, that "Dangerous" is an absolutely wonderful album. And uh, uh, if you if you don't if you don't you think did. that it's you wrote, it, on you the wrote level an article of, yeah. about you wrote an article on the site about that. And yeah, so okay, yeah, so, yeah. so, so I just want to reinforce I, that. But that was nineteen ninety one. I mean, it was a while from Thriller. So like early peaks is maybe not the right way to characterize it. Perhaps like those two or three decades where he was the dominant creative force in popular music uh and then he never topped those two or three decades um and that's that's a wait, tall wait, order two, for anybody two or three decades like decade decade and a half right um i guess i mean depending upon i guess he wasn't a dominant force or anything he's very successful when he was a kid and everything like that so he wasn't as as influential at all but no uh, no yeah not in, not in terms of like choosing the uh choosing the material or things like that i mean there were a lot of people who were uh Oh, I mean more the effect of what he was doing than than the actual creation of the music. Like, you know, if you want to talk about Jackson and the Jackson 5, how influential is he then as opposed to how influential he is since then? I don't know. Um, Obviously more in the later, but uh, it's still – I feel like if he had just been in the Jackson 5, Dianu. Like, if he'd just been in the Jackson 5 and had just produced <laughs> Off the Wall, like, if he'd just been in the Jackson 5, if he'd just produced Off the Wall, and if he had just done the Thriller video, like, <laughs> Dianu. But no, like, you have to go through, like, you know, Thriller, and Bad, and Dangerous, you know, you have to get, Scream was pretty freaking crazy, you know, like, um, all that stuff, work it all the way up there, and and even that weird Halloween special thing that he did, the longest music video ever, with the city full of, the, his house full of ghosts, um, but whatever, and the tours, you know, and the hundreds of millions of fans, right, exactly, like, if, yeah, no, if Michael Jackson had merely stopped a tank on stage, Dianu. Yeah, if you you can criticize Michael Jackson for a lot of things, but not being a successful musician is probably not one of them. <laughs> That's really what it boils down to. Is that like Michael Jackson is as successful as a musician as I think anyone could ever hope to be in their wildest imaginations. Right. That would be like the ultimate contrarian hipster douchebag argument to make. Right. Say like I don't think that Michael Jackson was popular. I don't think that he sold a whole lot of records. <laughs> I don't think that I still dance to him like every week. Oh, by the way, what Dayenu is, is it's a Jewish prayer uh, about, um, it's a, it, I think it means it would have been enough, or it would have been sufficient, right? So they, it's a prayer that's said on Passover, for the most part, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, where it's like, oh, oh if only, 
What? Are there only no, are never, there... never explain your pop culture references? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think a Passover prayer is a pop culture reference per se. <laughs> look at the staying power. You know, look at the look at the millions of fans around the world. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly not. It's certainly not unpopular. Hey, there are none of the chosen people on this podcast. That's that's very that's very interesting. Um, yeah. Very, very rare. And I was going to say to Jordan that actually the whole overthinking it thing is a thinly veiled front for an effort to convert people to Judaism. Um, but apparently that's, that's right, not the case. Right, because if if, um, <laughs> if Jews are known for one thing, it's uh, for seeking converts. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, we're, 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 a special sect, we're a special sect of Judaism. Was it Jews for deconstructionists? <laughs> <laughs> Diana. Enough, and so the way, the way it's used in this... Um, in this uh, Jewish ritual is that like the list of the things that God did for the, for the people of Israel uh, is, is sort of rehearsed. And at each step they say, you know, if he had just uh, spared us on Passover, it would have been enough. If he had just crushed the Egyptians in the Red Sea, it would have been enough. If he, if he had just given us the law, it would have been enough. You know, you know what I mean? So it's like, um, it's this, uh, it's this progression of about how sort of awesome and and uh, wonderful. You know, I'm not sure if I agree with that though, because the think about is. It, if God had just led them through the Red Sea and then not fed them with manna in the desert, they would have been pretty well fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, maybe. That would have been- that would have been nice, but it wouldn't have been sufficient. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, it was a necessary but not sufficient condition <laughs> for saving the, the people of Israel. Well, look, if there are Can any... Can you explain what necessary and sufficient conditions are for the people of Israel? <laughs> that might be a little bit too deep for, uh, for the, for too rich for our blood. Yeah, perhaps. that's, no, that's, you, we need to be in a, in a, like a philosophical logic seminar, I think, to, um. I'm going to have to be writing an article about Dragon Ball. Yeah, I'll have to write an article about Dragon Ball to explain what necessary <laughs> conditions explain are. What the, so, uh, yeah. Wow. Why, why, why is this podcast different from all other podcasts? That's what I want to know. <laughs> uh, because it's like Back to the Future two and three. Because it's like Matrix Revolutions and Matrix uh, the the uh, uh, comeback, Matrix the awesomeness. Because it was made at the same time as another podcast. That's why it's all other podcasts. If we had just watched popular culture, Dayenu. Dayenu. <laughs> if we had just subjected popular culture to the level of scrutiny that it did deserve, <laughs> Dayenu. Dayenu. Yeah. But here we are subjecting popular culture to the level of to a level of scrutiny it doesn't deserve. Let's see what else. Uh, bad uh, other bad celebrity news. DJ AM, MJBJ, and uh, DJ AM. Anyone? Anyone? Uh, a fan? Uh, I, he didn't. He didn't have a. A whole lot of fans. I mean, he was primarily known as a as a celebrity in his own right, since he he played primarily to celebrity parties and also was romantically linked with a lot of famous people. Like he was dating Mandy Moore for a while. He was dating Nicole Richie for a bit. But uh, but yes, DJ Am uh, connected with you know Travis Barker and Blink One Eight Two, found dead in his apartment on Friday, uh, surrounded by drug paraphernalia, but not. Not yet ruled a drug overdose, although that's that's probably going to have been it. Um, Blink One A Two had a had a concert on Saturday that was apparently very emotional for them. There was some you know 
you know, a couple couple tears on stage, etc. So, yeah. Um, uh, so I, I have a question. Yeah, and we, like, sorry. Sorry. Oh, I was just suggesting he's a meta celebrity. He's like a celebrity among celebrities, but not a celebrity among non-celebrities. Uh, and if you want to know, if you want to know what we mean when we talk about meta this, meta that, listen to next week's episode because we got a question about. Uh, about our constant preference for the meta. I have a question. Let me ask this. Why, and this is with no, uh, no disrespect to the, to the recently deceased, but I don't get something. Why do celebrities date DJs, right? Like Lindsay Lohan is dating her DJ and, you know, I, um, I don't. I don't get it. What is it about being a DJ that uh, that draws celebrities to you? Do, do you mean so? Okay, so you mean why? Why are DJs necessarily attractive versus you know why would you make the mistake of dating a DJ because you no, know no. that's only trouble? No, no, no. Well, right. Yeah, he's only trouble. <laughs> like that Samantha Ronson. That girl is nothing but trouble, and she turned Lindsay into a lesbian. She was such a nice girl before. Right. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Of all the, you know, assuming, I mean, there are a number of assumptions here. Assuming that I'm a celebrity, uh, that I can basically have my pick of romantic entanglements or have my pick among certain romantic entanglements, uh, but that there are, there are a number available to me. What is it about uh, wanting, uh, other than like, I'm sure there are one or two who are just fantastic people, but is there something about the class of people called DJs? Like, is there something about the job description or, you know, I don't know what it does to you as a person or something like that, that makes you inherently more desirable than, uh, you know, non, non DJs or civilians as we like to call them. Well, I'll, I'll put a theory out there. It's a couple of things. One, it's there's a performance aspect to it. Even though obviously a DJ isn't playing music in the same way that a you know guitar rock god is playing, and that's not what makes them attractive. It's they are um, they're putting the music out there at a party, and they're making the party happen, right? And that leads to the second thing, which which makes a DJ uh, sexually attractive would be the power, the power that the DJ has. So very simply put, the performance and the power. They put this music out there. They make people dance. They make people move. Um, they hold sway over a crowd of hundreds at a party. And, and that, uh, that has been known to get people laid in the past. I, that, that's, that's a good point. That's the similar to the point I would have made, but it's a little more articulate. Uh, yeah, the DJ being the, the center of attention in a social environment where, where booze and sexy fun times are prominent yeah that, that probably commands a lot of uh probably commands a lot of romantic cachet so yeah i, I agree with mark it, it, i i don't know i still don't buy it though because is that enough really to uh is that is that enough really to make it like i well, i don't uh, know apparently it is there's, I mean, a, there's, I a, there's a wonderful poem about it <laughs> <laughs> i don't I don't know that it's I don't know that it's enough of a trend to 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 really need a more compelling answer than that. I mean other than Samantha Ronson, uh DJ AM and uh what's her name? That girl who was in 40 Days and 40 Nights and uh a Night's okay. Tale, Shannon Sossamon. Uh she also does some some DJing as well, but I I mean 
that that's not as much it's not as mysterious because she's a very attractive woman and you know there's not as much mystery as to why would anyone date an attractive woman in hollywood but uh but yeah i mean it it's not i don't think it's so common that it needs a deeper explanation than the one we provided okay well now, fair so yeah. so yeah okay well, God, actually put me in my place what what sucks um, I'm thinking that the kind of DJs who are seen dating celebrities don't tend to be the ones that are really looked on as uh, musically very interesting creative artists. You know, it's, it's not uh, it's not like Aphex Twin is dating Mandy Moore. It tends to be the kind of people who uh, who play clubs, and I think that that career track is something that has no um, there's zero meritocracy and 100% how good are you at selling yourself? You know, like at charming people. So, therefore, the DJs are going to be very good at charming people, and therefore they will charm, you know, whoever they want to, to sleep with, and probably succeed a, a fair percentage of the time. That makes, that makes sense. And, you know, it's a, it, is a sh- it is a shame that more, you know, talented or, you know, creative DJs don't get, don't get more play. I want, I want Cut Chemist uh, hooking up with Jessica Biel tomorrow. Hollywood, <laughs> right? Because what you know, obviously, like it would only improve their work to get dragged into the you know National Enquirer spotlight. Exactly. God, we're all on the same page here. If there was one thing I was going to say about both of those uh, brilliant electronic musicians just mentioned, is that they don't do enough drugs yet, and they need to get more drugs into their lives. Clearly, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was murder. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, the hits ki- the hits just keep on coming. Uh, this is not strictly speaking pop culture, but Ted Kennedy passed away uh, after a long battle with what cancer in his brain or a tumor a tumor in his brain, and yeah. um, and was yeah. uh, w- what sort of canonized posthumously uh, in the media. By you know, by people who probably wouldn't have had too good things to say about Ted Kennedy before, but I, I guess that happens. I guess that happens to anyone. Is there a pop culture angle here? Um, uh, is I, it c- citizens of Springfield? Uh, I uh, want to memorialize <laughs> uh, Senator Kennedy for giving me this great accent to which to cop. Thank you, citizens of Springfield. <laughs> That's pretty much it, I think. Actually, well, no, I mean, there, there's a lot there. I think. I no, 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 I didn't say that's not it. I mean, that, that is a, a <laughs> that's an aspect. That's an aspect of it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Ted, Ted Kennedy, more than any of the other Kennedys, by, although unfortunately largely by virtue of having survived longer than any of the other famous Kennedys, uh, is more responsible for that, that sort of caricature of the, of the bloated, you know, heavy accent Massachusetts politician, the, the wheeler and dealer, the... You know, sort of parochial, sort of philandering, etc. He he's the one who who did the most to popularize that, which which has a lifespan outside of Diamond Joe Quimby from The Simpsons. Although, really, I think that's that's its apex. Okay, I have a suggestion. Why don't we have sort of a swap, and all the bad things that people are no longer saying about Ted Kennedy will say those about Michael Jackson, and vice versa. Yeah, you know it was it was it was terrible the way Michael Jackson drowned that girl. He was sleeping. No, see, it doesn't even sound right as I say. Uh, it's terrible. It doesn't even. 
Yeah, but yeah, Michael Jackson. Is... Michael Jackson was pretty gone on the Jesus juice at the time. Yeah. Uh, for, for Ted, Ted Kennedy was gone on an entirely different kind of juice, but you know. I, I mean, our last days. <laughs> oh man, I'm stomping all over people today. I keep, every time I open my mouth, no matter how long I wait, I step. I you're talk so, all but over you know what else. we love is it's you're so enthusiastic about new media, you know about downloadable <laughs> about downloadable entertainment. Like you love it, you love it so much that you just you cannot stop yourself from podcasting. Oh no, it's it's definitely true. I but, love downloadable. You know, but Pete, I want to toss it over to you. Actually, can you tell us about the last great Kennedy? The last great Kennedy, and now that we've lost... Well, because we didn't just lose Ted Kennedy. We lost Kennedy Shriver, his sister. I forget, what was her first name? Eunice. Uh, what? Eunice, yeah, who is the inventor of the Special Olympics. She devised it out of a series of parts. No, um, <laughs> and she, she made it happen. Uh, that leaves us only one Kennedy left, and that's this, you know, we, we've lost you know, Jack Jr., we lost you know, Bobby and Jack and all that stuff. And the last of the great Kennedys is... Um, well, to hear her, you have to listen to Kennedy and Suits weeknights at 7 to 10 on KFI AM 640 Talk Radio in Los Angeles, uh, where she is no longer an MTV VJ, but is in fact a libertarian bent social commentator. Um, she's in hiding, actually. They found that uh, apparently the Kennedy curse has been following her all her life, um, and that's why she wears those glasses. Uh, why Kennedy wears those glasses uh, so that people can't recognize her to take her out, um, because, you know, that people like to kill Kennedys, I guess. Um, Wait, so, <laughs> but no, I, I heard. Well, isn't there so a band Kennedy, about that? So, so that Kennedy is a Kennedy. I or mean, are we... it, I mean, so it's just semantics, right? <laughs> you know, isn't this just is this just because semantics is the meaning of words right so so kennedy whether or not kennedy is a kennedy i mean that's like the meaning of the word is right like that's just that's just silly talk that's just why okay, would you I'm, say something like that i'm sorry let me play, let me play the you know what i mean card uh i've got one right I'm not here with that card <laughs> you, you have one of those cards i've never seen that card before uh, so so kennedy the former mtv vj is descended by by matrilineal blood from Joe Kennedy, the bootlegger and father of one presidential of one president, one attorney general, and uh, one senator from Massachusetts. Is that what you're saying? All I'm saying is that her Wikipedia page doesn't say she isn't. That's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, and in fact, I her, Wikipedia, her Wikipedia page is very, very light on her life before, even before Hollywood Squares in 1998. There's almost no information about her. Just that she was born in Indianapolis and raised in Oregon, which is probably some sort of obscure Kennedy compound. I'm telling you, she is like in Return of the Jedi. Spoilers. In Return of the Jedi, when they, when Luke finds, is it in Return of the Jedi? Maybe it's Empire Strikes Back. No, it's Return of the Jedi. When Luke finds out that Leia also has the Force power and is also the daughter of Darth Vader and is in hiding because if Luke gets killed, then Leia has to step up and fight Darth Vader. Then, uh, then that means that, uh, that that's what Kennedy is. Like Kennedy was raised in seclusion. Uh, she was <laughs> she was hidden in but plain sight as a public figure. <laughs> but apparently, not enough seclusion to keep her from being named something other than Kennedy. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, but what's the best way? Because no one would actually believe she was a Kennedy if she was called something. L, like she's called Kennedy, right? Like you're, you're like right. It, it fooled me for years. Yeah, you 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 didn't know. You have no facts, and you assume <laughs> that she's not a Kennedy just because yes, she's right. called. Facts, facts are my weakness here. Facts are the one thing <laughs> I'm lacking in this discussion, as opposed to anyone else. 
Well, just remember, these are the people who invented the Special Olympics. They're clever people and they're wily. All right. <laughs> they sold booze and they have people gave a chance to run who can't normally run in public. Right. So with these things together, as, you're right because as John Stewart said, if there's one thing that we all know about the mentally retarded, it's this: they're cunning. <laughs> <laughs> he did no, say that. I, that that's what that's my favorite daily show bit ever is when uh after the supreme court uh, banned executing the mentally retarded like people with severe cognitive disabilities right uh john stewart was on the the uh, daily show the next night and was like lock your doors people the supreme court has caved to the forces of big retard you know and soon and it does i mean i don't know if you think it's offensive or not he he was really kind of making fun of scalia who wrote this who wrote this dissenting opinion that was like uh like many things uh justice scalia writes was um uh, well-reasoned, extremely well-written, and totally dickish about how, <laughs> <laughs> how um, you know, how the the federal government has the right to execute the mentally retarded. And so, you know, John Stewart was like, "Lock your doors, people. Soon they'll be upon us." Smiling, hugging. You know, <laughs> you can try to keep them out. Anyway, that, that's where that's where that joke comes from. Sorry, that's a rat hole. Speaking of things yeah. that are kind of stupid, <laughs> let me just say that uh, that as of right now, for one brief shining minute, uh, Kennedy, the MTV personality's Wikipedia page, will say that she is in fact part of the Kennedy political dynasty. <laughs> 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 Yay! It's on there! <laughs> alts? Or is it alts? Print screen. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, that's oh god, that's fantastic! You guys are awesome. <laughs> this is the first time we made good on our uh, threats, threat slash promise to edit Wikipedia pages in real time as we are ripping <laughs> the pop culture. We've actually done it this time, folks. And I am taking a screenshot now. Nice. <laughs> okay, so we'll... That's we'll, what Fenzel just did, except he did it in PC speak, so he didn't get it, rather. Yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, you. yeah mm. sorry. I did, uh, I did shift Apple 3. That's how I... Uh, that's how I take a uh, screenshot. Hey, um, you can no longer do anything. You can no longer go anywhere. You can no longer fly twice as high as a butterfly. Take what, a look. It is not in a book. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Reading oh. Rainbow, after the third longest run on uh, public television of any show, second, uh, third only to Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers, uh, has been canceled. And uh, it oh. may be... Murder. Murder. See, that's what I thought we were going to get off the subject of, um, of various popular things meeting their demise um, with celebrity deaths, you know, moving on from celebrity deaths. No, now we're talking about a, a TV show hitting biting the dust now. I yeah. just want to say, just actually very briefly before we get into this, that we, this very recently, we spent a lot of time on celebrity deaths on this podcast. 
I was like, wow. Either maybe it's because there's been just been a lot of recently. Because that, that serial killer who's out there hunting down celebrities is uh <laughs> that's where I was earlier. Oh, really he also got killed this <laughs> He also killed the oldest man in Britain. Uh, he's he's a very uh, he's a very devilish kind of fellow. He seems to hunt down all these cursed people and kill them. Aww. So when he was he was really targeting the oldest man in Britain from the get go. The the celebrity deaths were just neat, were just the haystacks surrounding the needle to throw the rest of us off the scent. <laughs> I mean, I guess like are Michael there Jackson more... knows where the oldest man in Britain is hiding, and he needs Have to die. Have more people it. died in two thousand nine than like ever before? Well. I mean, there are more people on the planet in 2009 than ever before. Well, so I guess, just yeah, by, yeah. by laws of proportionality, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, but they're, they're living, I mean, they're living longer and longer. The average <laughs> lifespan <laughs> goes, goes up. But, um, I mean, it seems like there haven't been this many high-profile deaths in, you know, your average summer that, that I recall anyway. I guess it's hard to get much higher profile than Michael Jackson. Uh, well, I mean... It, it could be kind of the, the start of the, the baby boom starting to peak because while, the, while these are fairly young deaths for baby boomers, uh, a couple of them have been, uh, well, I mean, Michael Jackson's was drug-related. Uh, who else? Uh, Farrah uh, Fawcett was kind of on the, the older end of the scale. Uh, uh, Keith Carradine was, was on the older end of the scale. So I, I guess it's all part of the same baby boom, you know, rough... You know what would be you know would be a great way to to, to prove this quant in a quantitative manner. I don't know if there's a way to do this, but if there are a way to count the number of celebrity deaths by virtue of um, them appearing on the homepage of the New York Times website, and I don't know if there's a way to roll back the clock on that, but if you could count that, and that would give you and compare that to a previous year, and that should give you a reason. There actually are more quote unquote celebrity deaths than before. Well, I mean, hey, wouldn't 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 Wikipedia have it as a category like you know celebrity deaths in two thousand eight? Because they have a lot probably of probably does, but that's high. That's much more I feel like subjective and random than the editorial <laughs> control that goes into the New York Times website determining if something is high profile enough to get it landed on uh, above the fold, as it were, on the homepage. Hey, you know what? Now Wikipedia says that two thousand nine has more celebrity deaths than any other year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, um, hey, uh, Pete, you've been, you've been so good. Is there anything you'd like to, <laughs> to, to, pop up and say? Yeah, sure. I would say that if you're talking about the number of high profile deaths, there's two angles to approach it from the number of deaths or the relative proliferation of high profileness. Uh, and I would say that of those two, I'd say the second variable is probably the one that we can scale up in uh, 2009, much more than the, the former, right? Like, there are more, are there, are, here's the other question are there more celebrities in 2009 than there have been previously, in previous years? Now, there might be fewer because it's less regionalized, right? Maybe. Or is there more because there there's such proliferation of what defines a celebrity? Um, you know, like what level of person could die and still count as a celebrity death? Like if Patton Oswalt died, would that be a celebrity death? Is he a celebrity? Like I'm not sure. I think he probably is. But in previous years, a guy like Patton Oswalt wouldn't have been a celebrity. Um, we have so much more information. Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? I completely agree. I completely agree. I mean, if you look back, you know, through the years in uh, in like. 705 BC, who died besides Sargon the Akkadian, you know? Like, no one. <laughs>
Dude, anybody who was anybody in that year was Sargon the Acadian. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Oh, man. Spectacular, spectacular. Yeah, who's the biggest celebrity death? We should play celebrity death roulette, and we pick pre, um, pre-modern pre years, and we determine, like, let's pick a year and what celebrity death then. Did you use Wikipedia for that? I did. Actually, I messed up. It wasn't uh, Sargad, Sargon the Akkadian. This is Sargon the Assyrian, who was named after the much earlier uh, Akkadian king. So, oh, so he had died, but he just previously... Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. Well, let's, let's right. people here who are really concerned with ancient Persian history on this, though, who are listening to this podcast. We cannot lead them astray. Somebody's going to quote me in a paper, and then I'll get quoted, and then it'll go back onto Wikipedia, cited to an outside source, which means true and can never be changed. And then, you know, things go down to you. <laughs> guys, 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 save this for the over Persianing it podcast, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Please. I, I just. This is madness. This is madness. I just want to point out that uh, 15 minutes after we altered the Lisa Kennedy Montgomery um, Wikipedia article, uh, it still says that she is part of the Kennedy political dynasty. I just reloaded the page to check that right now. And it, yeah, it is indeed still there. Stokes, you may have changed history. (laughs) Well, hey, if she has a child also named Kennedy who goes into politics, it will technically have been true, right? Maybe you're a time traveler. Have you ever thought that you might be a time traveler in disguise? If she if she had a chill if she had a child, Dianu. If she had a child that went into she has two kids. <laughs> Sorry. Parte, yeah, but they're not named uh they're not named Kennedy because they're named I think they have her husband's name. But hey, uh you don't have to take my word for it. What? What? You don't have to take my word for it. Reading Rainbow, what? Back to the topic. <laughs> <laughs> after after that after that rat hole, well, you know, LeVar Burton LeVar Burton, I guess he's looking for work. You know, he's on Twitter and he's one of the people who really like likes Twitter and interacts with people and answers questions and like has conversations and stuff like that. He's uh you know, yeah, he's he's cool like that. And uh I don't know. Um, well, maybe they should, they should capitalize on that. There should be a Twitter, uh, like a, a twittering rainbow, where he'll say, "Like you don't have to take my word for it. You can read a Twitter post at your local library." <laughs> <laughs> That's not the direction I would have taken it, Stokes. But I like your moxie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man! Could not you make a rainbow? Could you? <laughs> so okay, I don't want to be a wet blanket here, but um, no, the, the show's been on the air for twenty six years, and. Um, I feel like all of us on this podcast, we're in our late twenties, um, we're probably the target demographic for it in its heyday back uh, back in the day, back in the mid to late eighties, right? Unfortunately, yes. but now for me, all I can really remember of the show is a Levar Burton and b the theme song, right? Butterfly in the sky, I can fly twice as high. And that's it. That's where my my memory of, of reading Rainbow stops. No, there so, were. Come on, you got to remember more. They did picture well, just books. Just take a look. It's in a book. Reading Rainbow. Okay, so, so you I do, do remember, remember more. Okay, so <laughs> I do remember that. But beyond that, okay, beyond that, I don't remember anything about reading Rainbow. I can go anywhere. No, yeah, it's um. They they would do. They would read picture books and kind of animate the illustrations on the screen, and then there would be reviews of books from kids, and LeVar would introduce them by saying, uh, here are some other books you may like. 
but you don't have to take my word for it. And, uh, you know, then there, then there would be kids, you know, like talking about their favorite picture books or like early chapter books or something like that. Um, but was it, was it murder? Uh, according to, uh, national public radio, uh, John Grant, the director of content at the show's home station, WNED, in Buffalo, uh, says that the current funding crunch is partially to blame because the reason given is that uh, they don't have money to renew the rights to the books that they use on the air. Uh, but John Grant contends that the the decision to – this is, again, according to NPR – the decision to end Reading Rainbow um, – has something to do with Bush administration education policy, uh, which focused on sort of fundamentals like spelling and phonics and things like this, rather than on this sort of abstract idea of of love of reading. You know, at the at the risk of of turning our pop culture podcast political, and or at the risk of defending a president I didn't like very much, I would. I would hesitate. Wow, so to way to way to keep politics yeah. out of it, John. <laughs> way, way, way to way to invalidate the thing I just said three seconds ago. Uh, I would I would hesitate to lay that at the Bush administration's feet because I don't know are the are the budgets for national public broadcasting you know as decided at the federal level that itemized such that you know a a given president's impetus to to you know, focus more on the basics of reading versus the you know the, the higher, more esoteric joys of reading. Uh, that detailed, like in other words, was it because it was decided at the federal level that funding had to go toward this narrow aspect of reading versus just TV shows about reading? Uh, was that responsible for Reading Rainbow being? I I find that hard to believe. Well, there are two. I mean, actually, yes. I mean, like the, the funding for for public broadcasting, both NPR and uh, and, and public public radio and public television, highly politicized. Obviously, the you know, the, the American right uh, has a lot of bonus picks that they see as a lot of you know fluffy programming and things with a very liberal slant. So um, the short answer is, yeah. In other words, yes, we can still keep using George W. Bush as a scapegoat to blame him for things that are wrong with the world. Yes, we can. <laughs> yes, we can. Yes, we can. Um, well, I think it's, I think it's, uh, you know, kind of sad. I think it was a great program. I mean, I guess you can rerun them, though. Though, if licensing fees were the issue, maybe you can't rerun them because you can't, uh, you can't afford to rerun them. Um, it strikes me as mind blowing that I couldn't get you access to all of his picture books for absolutely free because it's such a great advertisement for picture books. You know? Yeah, but why? I mean, like, yeah, but if you can, you, wouldn't, wouldn't you be doing like payola to get your picture book? Onto well, yeah, but I would, I, I would, but I'm not a, you know, a publisher, which tend to, I guess, kind of see things in very sort of old world, old media terms, right? I don't know. Like, does, like, does, everybody, does John Stewart have to pay a book licensing fee when he gets the author's book? Show. No, but he's not. not he's not reading a whole book the way they used to do on Reading Rainbow. Oh. Yeah. Well, wait a second. That's that's perfect then. We can we can take Reading Rainbow off of public broadcasting, which we all know is a dying medium, and and put it on private corporate broadcasting. That's what'll save it. Corporate sponsorship. Stokes <laughs> genius. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely am. <laughs> 
I, uh, I remember when I was in college and considering whether or not to go to grad school. And so I went to a panel in, uh, in my department, the English department, about grad school. And uh, the professors who were leading the panel said, under no circumstances write your grad school application personal statement about how much you love English and American literature and how you want to you know, spend five, six years studying it. Under no circumstances say that your love of the art is the reason that you want to want to go to grad school. So maybe love of reading has fallen out of favor among a lot of people. Wait, what were you supposed to write? Like, oh, you were supposed to like, you know, I don't know. I, I see significant market opportunities in, you know, the study of medieval literature. Uh, and I think there are good jobs opening up in that field. And so I would, you know, I would like to focus on that. And I know that, you know, your program is strong in that concentration it was like they they really they wanted something that was really sort of crass and uh and sort of market driven almost that's so weird man well was hey, it specifically people literature or were you just using that as the example because that's what you studied i i'm using that as an example because that's that's what i studied i have one word for you young man plastics no wait medieval literature Medieval <laughs> literature. Well, we're having some uh, we're having some um, audio difficulties, so let's quit while we're uh, ahead, right? I think that's I think that's smart. If you want, you can uh, join the conversation by leaving comments on the show notes, by using the contact form on the site, by emailing podcast at overthinkingit.com, or by calling the voicemail, which is 203-285-6401, 203-285-6401-20-EAT-LOG-01. EAT-LOG. Sorry? Tasty, tasty, tasty log. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Eat tasty log. And we will yep. be back next week. But if you are missing your fix till then, where do you go? Why well, you go on the web to www.overthinkingit.com, the site that subjects the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably, it probably doesn't probably deserve. Doesn't deserve.